0: Hello friends and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, and I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked on Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day, every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to drop a like, follow, and subscription on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so does not cost you a single cent and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's podcast, we are going to be recapping Winnipeg versus Chicago in what was... Honestly, a game that I expected the Jets to kind of dominate. And if the first 20 minutes or so were anything to go by, Winnipeg was going to have a relatively easier night. Kicking things off, though, even before the game started, there was a minor note of concern for a little bit. Uh, Connor Hellebuck actually had been noted to be out for tonight. There was some question as to whether or not he would actually show up. This time, though, he was feeling unwell. And so having just had a kid recently, uh, you know, we were concerned that either his wife or his kid may have had something going on. Uh, in in this case, it was actually Hellebuck. Sounds like he'll be back soon over the next couple of days, so that is good news for everyone. Um, but of course, Eric Comrie got the nod in net tonight. And after the past couple of performances with Comrie, I was honestly thinking, you know, that's probably not too bad. I know that in the past we've been kind of concerned that Eric may have been a little bit thrust into a role that he wasn't really ready for. I know that he's been around for a while, but obviously the step up from the AHL to the NHL as a backup, it's still pretty daunting. And the past couple of years. Haven't been super kind to him when he has been in the league. In the first period, though, I thought he navigated the pressure well. Chicago did have a couple of decent scoring opportunities, and Comrie seemed quick to track the puck. I thought that his positioning was pretty square to the shooter. I thought that he cut down the angles that he needed to. He's not like the world's biggest goalie, so oftentimes his lateral crease movement uh, and the post-to-post motion where he has to be really fast, I I think he actually had that speed. I thought his reads were good, and he didn't seem super scrambly. It seemed like he was pretty confident, so if that's kind of what we're going to get from him going forward, I could imagine he'll actually post league average numbers, which for him is a pretty big improvement and it gives the Jets a lot of uh, latitude here now that they may not have to uh, trade for like a backup goalie. They can maybe focus on other positions of need or calling up one of their prospects down the road if in fact they don't have to add another goalie to the roster which for the Jets is always a good sign. In the first couple of minutes of this game the Jets were definitely the stronger team. Uh, Paul Stastny opened up this goal scoring with a really nice feed from Andrew Kopp The Chicago Blackhawks' defense is just very poor. Oftentimes you can tell that their positional marking, their lane awareness, uh, their, their net front presence... They just don't have any of these traits, and I think it's really showing, especially with how quickly the Jets were able to carve them up. Right after the goal, you could tell the the Hawks were in complete chaos mode, and Winnipeg very quickly took advantage. They drew a nice little power play, and Neil Pionk took a beautiful left face-off circle, snipe right over uh, Fleury's left shoulder. It gave the Jets a confident 2-0 lead in just 2.5 minutes or so of action, and it felt like Winnipeg might start to run away with this. However, in this case, uh, the Jets actually... I wouldn't say that they slowed down necessarily, but I did notice a number of odd man situations or even some breakaway attempts where it felt like Chicago might actually threaten on the counter here or there. For the most part, Winnipeg's defense actually marked out any of these counters and rushes decently well. This is something that the Jets traditionally do not do uh, all that often, especially against opponents who actually have quality players. Uh, Chicago is definitely ailing, but you really can't give space to guys at like Kirby Dock. Alex Dabrinkit, even Kane and Taves uh, advanced in age as they are. This is a team that you still have to treat as a professional NHL franchise, even though, obviously, for, for reasons on and off the ice, you know, most people do not want to give them the time of day or respect. Um, but on the ice, you still have to be careful. This is a team that can hurt you on the counter. And a couple of times, I thought they got close. And then Chicago itself actually had a power play or two closer to the end of the period. Uh, Thanks to the Jets' PK not actually sucking and Chicago's power play maybe not being super up to par, it felt like the Jets were able to block off the shooting and passing lanes. I thought they made some decent clearances, and overall it was a better penalty kill than we've seen. Still, one or two opportunities here and there that I thought Comrie probably had to be wise to. But if you're looking for an opening period where the Jets generally weren't stressed uh, out too much, I think this was probably as calm as Winnipeg has been. It felt like Chicago, even when they had a step on the defenders, never really threatened in the way that the Jets are usually used to. Oftentimes, if Winnipeg has a, a defender who gets beat, it's going to turn into a goal against. This time, though, didn't happen, and I think you would expect that against Chicago. The Hawks, obviously, have, have lost uh, almost all of their games this year. And looking at their off-season acquisitions and stuff, like Seth Jones and some of the other players that they've, they've either uh, brought in or let go... It's just a mess of a roster, and so I was expecting the Jets to come out firing and swinging. They did both. And uh, heading into the middle frame, I was curious to know if the Jets would keep up the pressure. It did seem like uh, this whole commitment to having the Pierre-Luc Dubois line be the lead number one, I think that is still uh, on the on the cards, really. I don't know if Scheifele and Wheeler are ailing or something, and that's why Maurice has maybe been a little bit cautious with their shifts, but overall, it feels like we finally have a top nine that is relatively balanced. All three lines get a a pretty good and relatively equal share of the uh, of the shifts, and it prevents Connor, Shifley, Wheeler, which was the old combo, from being run into the ground. Lowry on uh, Connor's position instead of uh, Kyle himself, a little bit of an interesting fit. But if if you have like a slower unit with Wheeler on that line, I feel like it might be okay, and it gives Shifley some defensive support since. Mark is probably not going to be doing a lot of those duties, but this unit definitely seems like, offensively speaking, it doesn't quite have the same jump and punch that you would hope for. If Shifley can kind of find maybe a left wing that's going to work with him and not sacrifice some of the defensive coverages, I wouldn't be averse to that. Maybe like Kopp moving down in that position, but Andrew is also doing really well with Stastny and Ayler, So, you know, as it is, I don't really have too many complaints about the lineup. I think it looks about as ideal as it's going to be. This is probably one of the most balanced Jets lineups that we've had in ages, so I'm not going to complain. There, uh, as always, is room for improvement, but generally speaking, you have to say it's pretty satisfying. Of course, this game was very much far from over, and I was curious to know if this whole trend of of having pretty balanced lines would actually continue. The Jets were still using the 11 forwards and 7 defender routine, which I am not usually a fan of, but... For now, it's kind of working out, so I'm not going to complain again. We'll find out if the Jets were able to close this game out and essentially use their whole strategy of dressing seven defenders to great effect. But before then, I thought you should hear a little bit about why Bilt Bart is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Bilt Bart is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good, so, stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as built bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to built.com and use promo code locked15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code locked15 at checkout for 15% off at built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are diving right back into Winnipeg versus uh, Chicago, which the, uh, the professional hockey team of Chicago. Let's just say that they do not look like they belong in the NHL at all. For the first five to ten minutes of the second period, though, they actually did try to muster something of a comeback. They put the Jets under a bit of stress. They had a nice little power play. They actually thought they scored a goal, too, except turns out they scored an illegal one because it was, in fact, ruled offside. Chicago was still buzzing and trying to create good scoring opportunities down low with Comrie a little bit in scramble mode here and there, in part because his defense really wasn't giving him a lot of support in that crease area. It didn't actually bite the Jets, though, and Winnipeg eventually decided, well, we should probably score a couple more goals. And thanks to a beautiful passing sequence with Andrew Kopp feeding one that was a little bit fortunate, uh, deflected through a Chicago stick and found Dominic Toninato on a near breakaway on the right flank. Toninato actually just sort of deked around Flurry. Marc-Andre never really had a chance, and just like that, it was 3-0 Jets. That would have been the premier goal of the night, except for the fact that Kyle Connor then decided to do one better, and on an unbelievable individual effort, he basically blew through the neutral zone, dummied a defender, and actually was getting slashed in the middle of carrying through the neutral zone, kept his balance and then absolutely just whipped one right by uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's right shoulder uh, on a beautiful offside shot. I mean, it's one of those releases that you just know, even if Kyle Connor struggles with a lot of other elements in this game, you put up with all of that because he has that wonderful, wonderful shot and unbelievable one-on-one matchup ability. With the lead at 4-0, the Jets basically just took over the second half of uh, the middle period. Winnipeg never really looked back, and it was basically... Chicago spending almost all of the entire period inside its own zone. This is a thorough demolition, and honestly you wouldn't expect much less. This Chicago squad is reeling and the frustration was really starting to mount throughout the game. Flurry seemed to throw his stick around. Dylan Strom took a really bad penalty by shoving Morrissey into the boards on a cross check. It was uh it was just a bit humiliating for Chicago, and I think that's been the story of their season. They're just really, really, really bad, and I think if if the Arizona Coyotes didn't exist, Chicago would probably be the worst team in the NHL. With how dysfunctional the team is, though, maybe they're actually worse than Arizona. I mean, you're not really looking to compete here with the two worst teams in the league, but suffice it to say, both teams are in pretty dire straits, and if this game is anything to go by, Chicago will not be pulling out of its own uh, grave really anytime soon. This was about as ugly as a period ending as you could possibly imagine, and thinking ahead to period number three, I don't expect it to get much better. I thought, as far as the Jets were concerned, Tananato looked pretty decent. Kyle Connor was very active. Mark Shifley backchecked, which we don't really see very often. And the backcheck itself was great. Uh, he he ended up intercepting somebody on the way for a near breakaway, actually caught up to the skater, and used his like body to sort of bend over and kind of shove the guy into the boards, which you don't really see very often. It's a boxed out positioning that. More often, is is probably a move of desperation. With Shifley, though, it felt very calculated. And more than anything, it's just a really nice defensive effort, which over the past couple of years, we've really never seen with him. So I'm happy to see that. It's a good sign. If Shifley continues to be more active and involved at both ends of the ice, it can only benefit the Jets. I also thought Ehlers looked pretty good. Uh, He had a couple of really nice shots and tipped attempts that got really close to scoring. And then as far as like Neil Pionk is concerned, I thought this was probably, uh, at least over the past couple of games, Neil Pionk's best effort. He hasn't exactly gelled with Brendan Dillon over the past couple of games. His last game with Dillon was a lot less bad. I, I would actually say, for the most part, that pairing was pretty okay. But in tonight's game, Pionk was just pretty good without really any uh, any asterisks attached. I mean, this was a well-rounded performance. I thought defensively he was fine. His offensive activations and shooting were good. He had some really nice passes. It's more of what you'd expect from him, and it hasn't been something that we've seen as much this year. Previous seasons, yes. I think with uh, working with Dylan and, and trying to get some chemistry, as well as Winnipeg's adjustments on the on the aggression scale, it's not been an easy learning curve, so just good to see most of the guys who have been struggling kind of start to find their footing. I thought Svechnikov was okay. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois was really active. Uh, Dubois could honestly have several points in the night, and I don't think anyone would be surprised by it. I mean, he's been dominant. Andrew Kopp, though, is actually the one who has, like, three points, and it just sort of reiterates the fact that after this year, Kopp is going to be gone. He's going to be looking for a really big contract, and the Jets aren't going to be able to afford it. He's basically putting up a career high in in points and certainly is on pace to just absolutely blow away his previous career totals. He's had, what, like a a 40 or a 50-point season before, so... Cop he's he's looking pretty legit. He's gelling well on the uh, the top six unit and he's proving that in fact this whole time he really has been a second liner. It's just no one ever really played him with skill and I think that's one of the things that the Jets long term kind of need to work around. I think Winnipeg has a tendency to maybe pigeonhole some of their roles for a guy who might be considered like a third or a fourth liner. That's one concern I kind of have about David Gustafson long term is that the Jets sort of see him as this big physical penalty killer when Gustafson has a very cerebral offensive approach. His IQ is high, his positioning is good, his vision is excellent, and certainly he can hit a pass in stride. So if, you know, Gus ends up getting the replacement nod, I would like to see him used in the same way that Cop is, Give him actual NHL talent to work with, and I think you'll start to see him blossom into a really good top six forward. We've already seen Cop do it much later in his career, but if he can get it started with Gustafson earlier, I think the Jets will reap the benefits. As far as this game is concerned, though, it is basically over, but in just a little bit, we'll take a look at what happens in the final 20 minutes. I expect the Jets to basically close it out, maybe add a few more goals. But perhaps Chicago has a surprise for us in store yet. Before we dive into the last period of the game though, I thought you should know a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Into another sport? No problem. BetOnline has your back with European football, soccer, NASCAR, MLS, MLB, NBA. Every kind of sport imaginable is at your fingertips. Go to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From all your favorite sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so start your winning path today. Sign up for a free account at BetOnline.ag, and don't forget promo code Locked On at registration. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's thoughts on Winnipeg versus Chicago. Uh, At the start of the third period, the Jets actually did concede a shorthanded goal to McKenzie Entwistle. I feel like I vaguely remember Entwistle back when he was maybe in the World Juniors or something, but it has been many years since I've seen his name even come up. To be honest, I didn't even know he was in the NHL, but congrats to him for, I believe... That might be his first or second career NHL goal. So, obviously, a big milestone for him, even if it's his second, you know, any goal that you get when it's your first year up with the league is pretty cool. That said, I would wish it was with another franchise. But, you know, you you unfortunately can't always choose that party. So, either way, the Jets were probably annoyed to concede a shorthanded goal, but then... Later in the period, they ended up getting it back thanks to a great goal from Nikolai Ehlers. The entire Ehlers clan was actually in attendance at the game tonight, so this was a big happy family moment, and I'm sure they were all thrilled to see Ehlers score live and in person. He could have had like two or three goals tonight based on some of the scoring opportunities that he was given and and certainly got close to taking advantage of it. It was just that Flurry had a, a pretty good read on some of his shots, so other than that, a pretty nice night for him. In this game, I actually thought there were a couple of standout performers. Uh, For one thing, Nate Schmidt had a monster evening. This has been one of his most dominant showings where he was just everywhere, creating scoring lanes, taking nice shooting opportunities, uh, just very active offensively keeping the puck outside of the defensive zone because there was so much happening in Chicago's end. It was very high event, but mostly in favor of the Jets, and it also allowed Josh Morrissey to look very confident in possession. This was probably one of Morrissey's most confident games in years, and I think it's a big thing for him because he has struggled at times when he hasn't had like a really dominant partner who just... Controls possession, dials up the tempo, and really manages the uh, the puck-carrying burden. If Morrissey can go back to a more supporting role, I think that's where his ability to be really dangerous, especially inside the offensive zone, starts to come into play. For once, this game was definitely less about the uh, the Pierre-Luc Dubois line and more about just getting balanced scoring all up and down the lineup. I thought the Jets especially, uh, the the Andrew Kopp line, pretty much everyone was cooking with gas. Uh, there were a few players who I thought I wasn't really impressed with. Um, unfortunately, Dylan had a couple of moments where I was like, oh, oh no, not so great. Uh, Jansen Harkins was also not really impactful. Zvechnikov, he had an okay night, maybe would have been happier with taking a, a shot or two extra, but it's kind of hard to really complain about a performance in which the Jets basically just dominated the entire game, and the only times that they didn't dominate were when they basically stopped playing, which a couple of moments they actually did. They had a, a sizable lead, and you could just sort of see them decide, well, that, that's that's probably enough for the night and then eventually they would kind of wake back up after the the Hawks started to stir a little bit more, and Winnipeg then went back to dominating and basically never gave Chicago more than like an inch of space. So, overall, a dominant game. I think it says a lot about Chicago more than it does the Jets at this point. You know, the Hawks are are in complete disarray. It's not really shocking that they're this bad. Colleton has no idea how to get out of this mess, and I think, you know, Chicago is only going to get worse from here. And for the Jets, they're riding a very hot start to the, the season, but... It's one of those starts where I might say, pump the brakes a little bit on the excitement. I think this team still has a lot of growth and and certainly a lot of improvements that they need to make, but they're getting back to where they should be in terms of like, at least being break-even or above break-even if you're trying to dominate with your forward units. Be fast, be fun, be furious. That's kind of how the Jets should be, and thus far, they're starting to track more towards that, so a positive sign for the on-ice play. We'll see if it does continue throughout the rest of the season. For tonight's show, though, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey, insight, and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms, so be sure to follow and subscribe. As always, thank you for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!